Hey everyone, this is Andre. I'm here with Michael, and today on Radical Normal, we are going to be speaking to singer and songwriter Caroline Cobb. Thank you so much for joining us today. Would you like to introduce yourself um, any further? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, sure, I'm a singer songwriter. Um, my name is Caroline Cobb, as you said. I live in Dallas, Texas. And what I love doing is using music to tell the stories of scripture. That's awesome. And we're going to talk a lot about that today because I learned that about you. And I was so excited to talk about that because we talk a lot about different uh, books of the Bible and the story of scripture as well. But just real quick, this might be hard for you as a songwriter. We've never talked to uh, somebody who's produced an album before. Um, but do you have a favorite song on your new album, which just came out on October 1st? Oh, that's a good question. Um, we, I really am proud of all the songs. Whenever I put out an album, I try not to have any filler songs. <laughs> but I think right now, one that's resonating with me um, is just the first one on the album, which comes from Isaiah 61. And it's a little bit of a bridge between the album that came before, which was an Advent album, and this album, which is all about Jesus and zooming in on him. But it talks about, you know, that he came to give beauty for ashes, um, pour out the oil of gladness and all of that. And I, I that's been hitting and um, resonating with me lately. That's awesome. We, uh, we, I had, had the opportunity to listen to it a little bit so far and I really enjoyed who is this Jesus. Mm, yeah. I'm excited about that one too. It's hard to pick a favorite just cause mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm proud of all of them and it's, I haven't been able to play them out yet as much as I'd like to. So it'll be interesting to see which ones really resonate and stick with people. And then um, I don't think uh, Michael mentioned this part, you might've, but um, so Kelly's new album is called The King and His Kindness. And you know, that's mostly what we'll, we'll be talking about um, today. Um, so for the next question, um, where has been your favorite performance um, on any like, you know, previous tours or, or previous uh, work that you've done? And then uh, also like what locations are your favorite to tour on or what are you most excited for? Ooh, that's a good question too. Um, I've, I've kind of done a range of things. Like I really enjoy going to churches and using um, the concert as a time to really tell the whole story. So just drop in from the very beginning from Genesis and then um, kind of tell the story of scripture through music, uh, through this concert. And so I love doing that at churches. Um, but I think some of my mo more memorable performances, the places I've played have been some more intimate house shows. Uh, one time I played a house show in um, Durango, Colorado for a friend that was releasing a book. Um, and another time I played in the backyard in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And a bald eagle flew over my head while I was performing with the sun setting in the background. So things like that, just when people invite you into their homes and into their churches, it's such a privilege. Um, but I'm still, I think really every community I go and hang out with, it's, it's really an encouragement. That's awesome. And we had, and you kind of said this just now, how you like to uh, tell the story of scripture. <laughs> and that's kind of like the goal of this album. And that's great for us timing wise, because right now we're walking through Exodus on the podcast. And hmm. when they're in Exodus 11 through 13, when God's giving them instructions for the Passover, it's so that the future generations would remember what right. the Lord had done for them. So to you, what does it mean for God's people to rehearse the story of God and remember the story of scripture? Yeah, I think, um, well, I actually have a song about that too. The It's called the Passover song. I think sometimes when we read scripture, we um, 
we read it almost academically and don't let it kind of get into our hearts. And I think one thing that's beautiful about music or art or any kind of um, poetry or anything else is that it takes some of that um, of what we're reading in it's not that it doesn't enhance it, but it comes alongside it and helps get it from our head into our gut. And so I think it's really important that we're rehearsing true things in what we're singing and in what we're um, singing congregationally in church and what we're listening to. So to me, rehearsing and remembering, it's a multifaceted kind of thing where not only are we reading scripture and and praying it back to the Lord and and doing it again and again, because it's a deep well and we can't ever reach the bottom, but we're also singing it. Um, and letting it, you know, get into our gut, if you will. I think Jonathan Edwards said something about why do we sing instead of just read prose all the time and something about stirring up our affection. So we're really practicing stirring up our affection for the Lord when we're singing uh, the truth of scripture and reading it at the same time. That's really good. And I just think about, I mean, I tend to read a lot of academic work or commentaries and that sort of thing. And I definitely agree. Like there's something about singing, especially when, mm-hmm. around other believers that shapes us in a way that like a nonfiction book or just reading might not. And that's like why it's so helpful that we have the Psalms, not just historical narrative and stuff. So right. how do you think, and you kind of alluded to this, but how do you think <laughs> that music and singing shape up, shape us in ways that maybe reading or just reading like regular prose nowadays wouldn't shape us. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's something really powerful about music in general, just on a, on a gut level moving us. Um, I think someone said that it's the sermon people remember. Um, so I don't, I can't really, I don't think we can really quantify or scientifically prove, you know, what's powerful about it. But really, a lot of different things, music, but also story. Um, one example I really love to use is when C.S. Lewis is talking about um, Eustace Scrub, and he meets, uh, and Eustace turns into this dragon. Um, I can't even remember which book it's in of the Chronicles of Narnia, but Eustace is this dragon, and then this lion, Aslan, who represents God, comes and and takes these scales off layer by layer, and his claws are so sharp, and it's so painful. Um, And that image really has stuck with me. And when I think about sanctification, not only do I think about what scripture says about it, but that image has captured my imagination. And I think music does that, story does that. And it also is really a a beautiful way to reach people who maybe would be, maybe wouldn't darken the door of a church, but they'll listen to you sing about something that has happened um, in scripture. And it's this storytelling that's really non-threatening, but also changes us on a deep level, um, maybe gets around sort of the back do- in a backdoor way, not, not a shady way, but um, you know, just it, it penetrates in our imaginative level. That's really good. And speaking of the quote you, you gave, I, we talked a little bit about the village church before the interview began, but I, uh, sometimes I've heard people on staff say this and pastor Matt, but sometimes one of them will say something like maybe people later in the week on Thursday, remember a line or two from the sermon, but out the door and throughout the week, they'll still be singing the lyrics of the songs. And so our songs need to be orienting our heart in the right way. Yeah. And I, I personally, I love writing congregational songs um, that we sing together, but I also really love writing these kind of storytelling songs where maybe you're, 
using different points of view, like singing from Eve's perspective or whatever else, because sometimes I think we can read stories in scripture and just it kind of skip over it and not realize that, that, oh man, that story is in a minor key. That That is a tragic story and try to feel it and imagine what it would be like to be her after the fall or any other character in any other story. Um, it, it hits us in a different way when maybe we approach it from like putting ourselves in the story in an imaginative way. So I love it. <laughs> I love music. I'm very biased, but um, I think it's super important. And so churches that support that and churches that put that as a high priority, I think it's really, really key. That's really good. And, uh, you know, I've actually had the opportunity to go and visit um, the village church with Michael when, um, on occasions when I'm home. Um, from college and one of the things that i really like and i know that other people have pointed out um, as well as how the the bible verse corresponding uh mm-hmm. to that uh lyric that's on the screen is like put right below it and you can kind of see the bible verse as well yeah um, kind of thinking through that um what would you say uh to the question how um can people worship with a joyful open heart while also ensuring they're singing biblical lyrics mm, that's a good question um Yeah, I mean, I think there's room for different kinds of songs. So sometimes we might need to sing just a simple chorus and it doesn't have to pack a million truths in, right? But for every song like that, we need to have uh, maybe a hymn or something else that just, you know, line after line is is truth after truth after truth, right? So I think that... uh, I think that we can sing those hymns or those songs. There's a lot of new, newer songs that are filled with truth too, with a joyful open heart. But I guess in saying that, I don't want to say that you only should sing songs that are super packed with truth Mm. line after line. I think it's fine to sing, you know, here I am, Lord, you know, here I am. And just to say that again and again, I think we need both. Um, But often I think, you know, these days people write, worship songs and we're sort of, it's not um, a robust kind of look at the whole of scripture. It's not a robust look at the whole of God. Like just when I lead worship sometimes for different things, it's really hard to find songs that are popular that are about God's holiness or about mission. And so I think that's kind of a challenge for songwriters is to to go there, to write songs from the, the less known passages for the sake of biblical literacy, but also for the sake of presenting the whole picture of who God is. So I sort of veered off your original question, but I think we can we can definitely sing rich songs from a joyful heart with a simplistic heart. But then we, we need those simple songs, too, uh, where we're just singing the same refrain again and again. I really think we need both. So I learned recently, Caroline, that you have a goal of writing a song on every book of the Bible. So what's that journey like? So I feel like some some books might be easy. There's a lot of material in Genesis, but maybe something like Joel might be a little bit harder. And right. uh, we, Andre and I maybe uh, beat a dead horse on this for our listeners, but can you maybe in your own words, so we don't have to say it again, like why is it so important for God's people to know every book of the Bible and know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was turning 30, I... I gave myself this goal to write a song for every book of the Bible in a year. And I actually did, I did it. Um, But definitely Leviticus, Nahum, actually Nahum was kind of fun to write. It probably was not very commercially viable, but, um, and (laughs) you know, some of the other books, 
were tougher to write for sure, 100%. Um, but it was so important, I think, for me and my own growth. Um, I mean, I had already known that to see God's God's word as a whole story and not just something we can, you know, buffet line, pick and choose from, um, but to actually dive into each of those uh, books and to see how it connected, especially looking forward to Christ and to see how even Nahum can make us realize how beautiful the gospel is. Um, I think that God has given us such a rich, robust picture of who he is. And if we only look at, you know, the New Testament, or if we're only looking at certain parts of the Old Testament and just picking one verse out, then um, we lose some of the depth of flavor, right, that we're going to get if we see the whole picture. So even just an example that's really easy pickings is like Jeremiah 29, 11, when he says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans, you know, to to get, well, I can't remember right now, but to prosper you, right? That is such a verse that, you know, high schoolers, when they're graduating, like take out of context and, uh, and on in principle, it's true for an individual. It's true that God does have plans for us, that he has a future and a hope for us. But when you look at it in the whole of the scriptural story and realize that Jeremiah is this prophet that's lamenting his people being sent into exile, that promise becomes so much richer. And then when you look at it in the context of the whole scripture and realize that Christ um, is actually the answer, the Messiah, and that's what gives us a future and a hope, then again, it's another layer. And so I think you could just keep going and going. And I, what I love about scripture is that there's a million connections to be made. Everything is hyperlinking back to everything else. And so we're really starving ourselves if we're not allowing ourselves to see all of the different uh, connections and to have the full feast. That's sort of the, the way I think about it. And I found it to be true, even just writing from scripture, being able to see the panoramic fullness of what God has done. And it makes what Jesus has done so much more beautiful. So you said that um, you really enjoy, uh, you know, singing in some like smaller settings that maybe at people's houses or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then you also, you know, just said that uh, some of the uh, songs that you wrote, you know, walking through the entire Bible haven't aren't released or in any album or anything like that. So do you sing some of those uh, to those smaller audiences or are those mostly just for yourself and, and close friends and family? Yeah, if you really dig, you can find them on the internet somewhere. But um, I think songwriters, it's good for us to, for me at least, to write some bad, I mean, I would, I'm not saying they're terrible, but they're not as strong as maybe something I'd put on an album. Um, but maybe that's a good challenge for me. Maybe, maybe I should dig up my Nahum song and and just put it on an album just because. Um, actually, don't think that one is that bad. I still remember that. But it's just, anyway, it's, um, yeah, they're out there if they need to be found. And I think when I first had the idea to record the album, the first album was called The Blood and the Breath. Um, it was because I took a bunch of these songs on the road and just played a bunch of house shows and realized, wow, what if people could take this home? Or what if they could listen to this when they're driving in their car? and be rehearsing the story of scripture. And it's not just something you'd have at a house show. So um, now I have so many songs that I've written over the years that I feel really strongly about that it's, I even I struggle every time to make a set list because um, inevitably I have to cut the song about Abraham or the song about the dry bones of Ezekiel or, or whatever it else, else it is. So some of those songs that uh, 
that never made it on an album probably won't get played at a concert. But if people really want to find them, they're online somewhere. So there's been some talk in evangelicalism in the last few years about how our worship music is, you know, becoming too focused on people having um, somewhat of an emotional experience, um, you know, mm-hmm. within, you know, uh, their worship and, and, you know, what goes on with it. Uh, so do you think, um, do you think about this when you're writing uh, music or performing um, on tour, or, you know, in any kind of setting? Mm-hmm. Um, is this like something that you think about at all? And, and kind of what would you say about that? Yeah, about emotion. I, I think that I don't think it's bad to have, you know, an emotional experience. I think it's not good to have only emotion that's not tethered or anchored to truth. Um, and to not be able to sing that same song and feel that same truth when you're alone or when you're with just a couple of friends. Like if you need to have the drum solo or the electric guitar solo in order to worship, then that's sort of a, um, a bad sign, I think. So whenever I'm writing a song, I think it's especially a congregational song. I want it to be, even if it has sort of an emotional build, I mean, music does, it's going to, that's what the, the that's the aspect of music that makes it so powerful is that it does sort of um, move us on an emotional gut level and we don't even know why we're feeling what we're feeling but if you connect the truth to that emotion and to that power that music has then that's all the more powerful but if you leave it untethered or you just give people words that are filler words and they don't even know what they're singing or they're only singing about this one thing over and over again and they're missing this whole other aspect of god I think that's where it can get um, dangerous, maybe is too strong of a word, but that's where it can just be incomplete. And I think we need to be careful not to rely on, you know, this sort of experience because we're not going to have that every day in our, you know, and maybe we're going to go through a season where we live somewhere where there's not a church that provides that. And so we just need to be careful of that, I think. For sure. I kind of just grew curious uh, about this as you were talking, but when you're, so like I have a kind of a, a dream in the future of doing a bit of uh, theological work, maybe doing a bit of, of writing. And um, I also lead a few Bible studies of led one, a led one this summer with Andre and a few friends through revelation. And uh, when I'm reading the Bible, I'm frequently thinking about like, Oh, how would I want to write about this? Or how would I want to teach about this? Um, and that can kind of pop in when you're reading the Bible, does it ever pop into your head? Like, Oh, how would I sing about this or formulate this idea into a song? Um, sometimes I think, yeah, I think sometimes that can be for people that are in seminary or for people that are teachers, like we need to sort of turn that off sometimes sure. so that we can have that moment with the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, not, but then at the same time, like, I think that's kind of how he made me. And so um, I'm not necessarily thinking, how can I get this in a song? But I just want to sing it to him because that's what I love to do. And um, maybe that turns into a song that I can put out um, and maybe it doesn't. But yeah, totally. And I also can't help but think of connections like with other parts of scripture and how we could weave all that together to make a powerful song for people to sing. And so um, I think that's it's it can be sort of a thing to avoid because you don't want to mess with your own devotion to the Lord, but it also can be just part of how he made you and leaning into that, getting excited about his word in the way that he made you. Oh, I totally agree. That's super good. And uh, we always ask, we kind of just to wrap up, we have some lighter questions and we ask every guest this, we, uh, 
we love different uh, coffee specialty drinks and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We usually both have not uh, not today, I guess, but we usually both have like coffee uh, as we're doing interviews. Do you have a favorite coffee drink? Are you a coffee drinker at all? Oh yeah, totally. I like a. We have gotten snobbier as we've gotten older about our coffee, <laughs> but um, but we still are on a budget, so we can't always be snobby. Um, so we drink out of Chemex every day. Um, but then my favorite coffee drink is probably a cortado. Okay, I don't even know if I've ever had that. Have you, Andre? Uh, there was like a, a a Cuban restaurant close to close to work in Houston that I think I tried a few times. Yeah, here in Dallas, the um, Houndstooth makes a really good cortado, and it's good. It's good. It's just like a little mini drink for sipping. Um, really strong, but that's my favorite. Sweet, and then. Uh, another sort of question. So in the past, you know, three to six months, uh, has there been a um, Christian uh, singer, you know, thinker, um, author, pastor, um, who has been, you know, especially influential to you uh, that you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, I think over a long season, I think Sandra McCracken and uh, Andrew Peterson are two big influences for me. Um, and I think they're people I want to emulate. I think, just in terms of the past year, and I think a lot of people have thought this, um, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland was oh, a really, mm-hmm. really impactful book. And I actually recorded this album, which is like really zooming in on Jesus before I knew about that book or had read that book. But I, I do feel like it's sort of a companion piece to it because um, just exploring his humanity and his heart. I, and I think that book was really really good for me to read right when i read it so that's one that i that i've you know that comes front of mind when you ask that question sweet and then uh one last question so do you uh have a favorite worship song it doesn't have to be one of your own but um you know if you'd like to share that as well a favorite worship song hmm uh the one that i always um think of the one that i want to sing a lot is older. Um, it's by Stuart Townen, and I can't remember the name of it. It goes, "Behold the man across, upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. You know, ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. I cannot think of the title, but you guys uh, can fill it in later on. But that is one of my favorite songs to lead and to sing because I think it really um, pulls, evokes like the imagination, kind of puts you in the scene." but also just filled with a lot of rich truth. You know, I will not boast in anything, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. I love that song. Sweet. And, you know, just wanted to say thank you so much from uh, the both of us and from all of our listeners for joining us. Um, And so, you know, as all of you guys know, this is the first uh, singer songwriter that we've had on. So thank you for all the insightful answers. Um, And then, you know, for everyone listening, go check out um, Caroline's new album, A King and His kindness um, and thank you guys so much for listening thank you guys thanks michael and andre thank you